of a universe full of wonder and many still hidden mysteries. Help us in our modern, sometimes confusing and fast-changing world to pause and reflect on your glory and unending grace in the stillness to listen for your voice speaking to us. Amen. Our first reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. This is Jesus speaking. Don't even begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. I say to you very seriously that as long as heaven and earth exist, neither the smallest letter nor even the smallest stroke of the pen will be erased from the law until everything there becomes a reality. Therefore, whoever ignores one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the lowest in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps these commandments and teaches people them will be called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I say to you that unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Our second reading comes from the book of James, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. What is the source of conflict among you? What is the source of your disputes? Don't they come from your cravings that are at war in your own lives? You long for something you don't have, so you commit murder. You are jealous for something you can't get, so you struggle and fight. You don't have because you don't ask. You ask and don't have because you ask with evil intention, to waste it for your own cravings. You unfaithful people, don't you know that friendship with the world means hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. And we come to the last of the Ten Commandments this morning. In Exodus 20, verse 17. Do not desire your neighbor's house. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Word of God for the people of God. Well, it's full-on coveting time in the Schiller household, otherwise known as the lead-up to Christmas. Abram is in full full form. I Five is like that early five, late four, I feel like is the prime, just like you get Christmas, you know how to look forward to Christmas, you can like be inundated with advertisements and have a giant list of things you want. And he is in full Christmas form. Elsa's a little older now, so she knows she has to dial that back. She's strategic. She's smart. She knows she can't ask for everything. So she has to, has to lay the groundwork for what she wants and not overdo it. I remember what it was like, somewhat, seeing those ads, bringing, you know, writing down the list of things you would ask for and the excitement of Christmas morning. So I will be told every day how many days till Christmas from this point forward. I believe it's 42. 
And I will be reminded of the things on the list every day until Christmas. But it's fun to see the excitement, and it's fun to see that anticipation. I get it as a parent. Now, it's not really, I wouldn't, you know, classify it as real coveting. I'm not going to charge my children the sin of coveting. But it does illustrate for us kind of how early the groundwork for that can take shape. And how encouraging our culture is to think that way. Have you ever envied what someone else had? Have you ever known someone to get a new car solely, really because someone else they know got a new car? They didn't really need a new car, but they saw them get a new car and wanted one. There's lots of terms for this. Grass is always greener syndrome. The idea that it's always better somewhere else than where you are. Remember, these commandments were given long ago to people who are not us with weight that we don't live under. But they were given to show how we were to live with one another in community. And each of them illustrates the things that are destructive to us in community. And maybe coveting is one of the most destructive. This idea that we are always wanting something else. We are always wanting what others have. We are always envious of other people's things, positions. We are never satisfied with what we have. We always pine for more. I remember back in 2008, when the housing crash happened and the economy tanked. The message that came from politicians, they did a stimulus package and people got a little bit of money. And the message that came from politicians was you had to do your part, your duty to go out and spend and consume and support the economy. We've heard those same kind of encouragements over the years. So it's not just something that comes internally from us, it's something that's supported externally. Advertisements are built to make us covet what we don't have. There's a whole psychology to it. We are really at a disadvantage because there are people with PhDs who are paid by companies to research what will it be that helps us cross that line to act on wanting something. Stores hire psychologists to study the colors of paintings in a store and how to position things to get you to succumb to that envy and coveting. So we've got a lot of things stacked against us. It's not easy to stay the course. It was far easier for them when this commandment was given than it is for us. But that doesn't let us off the hook. 
And that doesn't make it any less destructive to us. Because ultimately, getting sucked into that always wanting what we don't have, always envying other people's positions or possessions, it puts us into a place where we can't be thankful. We can't be thankful if we're always envying someone else, always coveting what they have. We cannot, in turn, be thankful for the things we have. And it robs us of contentment. Being content is a theme within scripture and within our faith that is woven throughout all of Jesus' teaching. This notion of peace, of inner peace, of lasting peace, the idea of being joyful in all circumstances, being thankful in all circumstances, they all come from a place of being content. Recognizing the gifts we have, recognizing their uniqueness and importance, and staying in that space. We as individuals aren't the only ones who are Encouraged to covet. It's a struggle among pastors. I'm a part of some private Facebook groups with pastors, and you know, every once in a while a pastor will be feeling down about their work or their call or their ministry because they'll see somebody else who has, you know, bigger crowds and more people showing up on Sunday mornings, and and if they could just have that, things would be better. They would feel more fulfilled. It comes to us in many forms. But in every form, it causes us to miss the blessings we already have. To miss the blessings around us. To miss the goodness that God is using through us. And it gets in the way of our relationships. Our relationships with each other and our relationships with God. If there's one thing I think we could reclaim as people trying to live out faith, it is the spiritual practice of contentment. Because starting from a place of contentment will lead us to a place of thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving affects every part of our lives. It affects how we view others. It affects how we view ourselves. It affects how we view God. As we think through these Ten Commandments, and I've thought more about them than I ever have in the past over the last ten weeks, We are not compelled to follow these commandments like the Israelites were when they were given. We are not under the weight of the commandments like they were, under the blessings and the curses listed out. 
But from each of them, we can take something that is beneficial to our life, to our lives together, and to our faith. We can reclaim the way God intended us to be and to live and to shun the way the world tells us to be. Always consuming, always coveting, always envying, never being satisfied, always wanting more. The next promotion, the bigger house, the bigger car, the newer car. Because at the end of that road, is regret. At the end of that road is regret, and I have sat with countless people at the end of their lives who are filled with regret. Who worked too much and missed their kids' lives. Who were never satisfied. God does not want us to live in regret. God wants us to live our life to the fullest. But that has to start with recognizing our blessing, accepting them, being content with them, being thankful. And from there, we can live our lives with purpose, with meaning, with mission, Lives that fulfill. Lives that give a sense of peace and joy, not only to us, but to all those we come into contact with. As you look ahead to Thanksgiving coming up, as you remember what you are thankful for, add another element. Be content where you are, with what you have, with your relationship with God and practice that every day.